Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 70 of Minds Over Money. I'm your host, Cameron Brady, and on this week's episode, I'm covering three headlines from last week that directly impact the economy, as well as having potential implications on your own investment portfolios. And those headlines are ocean shipping rates have plummeted 60% this year, NASA's Artemis 1 moon launch is delayed further as engineers analyze a fuel leak, and August jobs report showed labor market has cooled but remains solid. In addition to those headlines, I'm also covering another financial planning topic, and this week, it's the greatest fear. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy. This week's first headline is, Ocean shipping rates have plunged 60% this year. Much of the cargo for back-to-school and year-end holiday shopping arrived months before the usual peak season. Freight rates on the main ocean trade routes are sinking during what is typically the industry's peak season after cargo owners shipped holiday goods early and inflation-dented consumer demand. The cost to ship a 40-foot container from China to the U.S. West Coast now stands around $5,400 a box, down 60% from January. A container shipped from Asia to Europe costs $9,000, 42% less than at the start of the year. The rate for both routes, while still above pre-pandemic levels, peaked at more than $20,000 last September. Market conditions have made a sharp reversal from earlier in the pandemic. Freight rates jumped roughly tenfold in 2021 because of supply chain disruptions, port backlogs, and a surge of cargo left importers scrambling for space on box ships. Some big retailers such as Walmart even chartered their own vessels to get around bottlenecks last year. This year, Walmart and other retailers ended up with too much inventory after they raced to import goods earlier than usual, anticipating shipping delays and demand that didn't materialize. Manufacturers, too, moved goods earlier than usual. Apparel sellers such as Gap and toymakers including Hasbro reported spring surges in inventory levels that normally occur closer to the holidays. Shipping rates are set to further ease for the remainder of the year and in 2023, according to ship owners and analysts. A series of new ships will hit the water over the next two years, with net fleet growth expected to exceed 9% next year and in 2024. By comparison, container volume growth will be marginally negative next year and rise around 2% in 2024. The 10 largest liners have been enjoying bumper profits over the past two years. Recent quarterly earnings at industry bellwether AP Moeller Maersk were $8.59 billion, surpassing what it normally makes in an entire year. But many companies have warned of weakening market conditions in the second half of 2022. While Trans-Pacific shipping rates have dropped dramatically, they aren't expected to return to pre-pandemic rates when it costs just $1,500 to ship a container from the Pacific to the U.S. West Coast. With the added cost of fuel and future costs of cleaner shipping, rates aren't expected to head lower long-term, which means the end consumer will most likely end up paying this expense in the form of higher prices for our goods, meaning longer-term inflation. This week's second headline is NASA's Artemis 1 moon launch is delayed further as engineers analyze a fuel leak. NASA is likely to remove its massive moon rocket from a launch pad after scrubbing a second attempted launch Saturday, a move that could delay the planned Artemis 1 mission by several weeks. 
rolling the agency's space launch system rocket back to a facility here, NASA officials said, would allow engineers to work on resolving a hydrogen leak. The leak prompted engineers to again delay the Artemis 1 launch, intended to be the first step in the agency's multi-year plan to land astronauts back on the moon. NASA leaders also discussed potentially conducting that work on the launch pad, leaving the rocket in place. NASA Administrator Bill Nelson said the decision to postpone Saturday's planned launch, which came after the agency earlier in the week called off its first try, was prudent. Three attempts to stop what officials describe as a large hydrogen leak failed, pushing launch teams to ultimately set aside plans for a blastoff earlier in the afternoon. The hydrogen leak emerged during the fueling process Saturday and couldn't be contained despite multiple attempts to fix it. The leak related to a quick disconnect connection on a line used to flow liquid hydrogen into a huge tank on the Space Launch System, the towering rocket that the National Aeronautics and Space Administration wants to use to start its Artemis missions. The SLS rocket uses supercold liquid hydrogen and liquid oxygen as propellants, and filling its enormous tanks with them is a challenge. Hydrogen is a very small molecule and can escape efforts to contain it. The agency said after a practice run in June that it would take fresh steps to deal with a hydrogen leak, and NASA was able to manage through a leak during fueling on Monday before that launch was called off because of problems with an engine cooling procedure. After years of delays and cost overruns, NASA is trying to ignite the SLS rocket and launch the crewless Artemis 1 mission from a pad at the Kennedy site. For Artemis 1, the SLS rocket would power the uncrewed Orion spacecraft toward a lunar orbit. Later, the capsule on the vehicle would return to Earth as part of a critical test of its heat shield. NASA scrubbed Monday's attempt after encountering a series of challenges during countdown. In particular, the agency decided it needed more time to analyze data related to a problem that emerged during a cooling procedure for the SLS rocket's four engines. While auto racing drivers warm up engines on their cars before competing, NASA needs to chill the engines on the SLS rocket to around minus 420 degrees Fahrenheit to condition them for takeoff. During the attempt on Monday, one of the four engines wasn't getting as cold as the other three, though none of them cooled down to the right temperatures. NASA expects the Artemis 1 mission to take several weeks. The planned flight would begin with a launch and end when the Orion crew capsule splashes down into the Pacific Ocean. Postponing flights wasn't uncommon during previous agency launch campaigns over the years, such as when NASA operated the Space Shuttle, which last flew in 2011. Mr. Nelson, a former astronaut, said a shuttle flight he was on was pushed off four times before it finally flew. After the first Artemis mission, NASA plans one more test flight using SLS and Orion before it looks to use the vehicles to set up the first moon landing in decades. For the second Artemis mission, slated for 2024, NASA plans to launch astronauts on board Orion into lunar orbit using a SLS rocket, but they wouldn't try to touch down. One year after that, the agency would use another SLS rocket and Orion ship to take astronauts back to orbiting the moon, where they would board a SpaceX Starship lander that the Elon Musk-led company is developing to take two astronauts to the lunar surface. While maybe not a direct impact to your investment portfolio or the economy, 
NASA's moon missions in this decade will have a large impact on humanity's quest to explore space further. If successful, the Artemis missions will look to create a permanent human presence on the moon and potentially help propel us onto Mars. This week's third headline is August jobs report shows labor market has cooled, but remains solid. Job growth stayed well above the pre-pandemic trend, while other signs suggested employers were finding it easier to hire. The tight U.S. labor market loosened some in August as employers hired fewer workers, more people sought work, and wages rose at a slower pace. Employers added 315,000 jobs last month, down from the prior month's revised 526,000 jobs, with new jobs spread across the economy. The deceleration marked a pullback from robust gains that characterized much of the past two years. Still, job growth remained well above the pre-pandemic trend. The jobless rate rose to 3.7% in August from a half-century low of 3.5% the prior month. The increase in the unemployment rate reflected more workers entering the labor force. The share of adults working or seeking a job rose to 62.4% in August from 62.1% in July, as participation among women ages 25 to 54 jumped to the highest level since 2000. The rise in labor force participation, along with other signs such as lower average weekly hours worked, suggested employers are finding it easier to hire. That could help ease wage pressures in the coming months. The Federal Reserve is closely watching the health of the labor market and wages trends, an important factor in the outlook for inflation. Average hourly earnings rose 5.2% in August from a year earlier, in line with the previous month, and down from a recent peak of 5.6% in March. Wages rose 0.3% in August from a month earlier, down from July's increase. The figures keep the Fed on track to raise interest rates by either 0.5 or 0.75 percentage points at its meeting later this month to combat high inflation. Some signs point to an economy that is rapidly cooling under the weight of high inflation. The Fed is raising interest rates to slow the economy and curb price increases. Some major employers, including Ford, T-Mobile, and Wayfair, have announced job cuts in the past few weeks. Gross domestic product shrank in both the first and the second quarter of the year. This year's tight labor market followed steep pandemic-driven job cuts in early 2020 that left the U.S. economy with about 22 million fewer jobs. As employers clawed those jobs back, payrolls grew by a monthly average of about 800,000. Now that payrolls are slightly above their pre-pandemic peak, rehiring is set to fade as a source of job growth in many sectors. Leisure and hospitality might be an exception. The industry, which includes restaurants, bars, and hotels, was particularly hard hit by shutdowns earlier in the pandemic and continues to recoup jobs lost in early 2020. Job growth remains historically strong as the labor market holds up better than many other parts of the economy. Hiring remained solid last month in interest rate-sensitive sectors such as construction and manufacturing. Job gains were strong in professional and business services, healthcare, and retail. The job market could weaken in the coming months, as the Fed tries to tame inflation that is running near a four-decade high. Fed officials have raised their benchmark interest rate by three-quarters of a percentage point at each of their past two meetings. Higher interest rates are intended to make it more expensive for people and businesses to borrow and spend money. 
which could lead to slower economic growth and an easing on price pressures. With additional signs that the labor market is starting to cool down as we head into fall, don't expect this to change the Federal Reserve's policy decisions later this month. The Fed is still on track to raise interest rates another half to three-quarters percentage points at their policy meeting in a few weeks. While this knowledge may be helpful to understand the current economic conditions that we are facing, it should not have any influence on your investment plan. Remain disciplined with your well-diversified, globally allocated portfolio, and sleep well at night knowing that you are a long-term investor with an appropriate asset allocation to handle all economic cycles, no matter what stage of life you are in. And this week's financial planning topic is the greatest fear. When we talk about retirement planning, there is really only one contender for the title of greatest fear. Will I outlive my money, or will my money outlive me? All other concerns pale in comparison to this one and are related in some way to this mother of all fears. And this is a very real fear for almost everyone when you think about the facts. First, the average retirement age in the US is 63 years old. If a wife and her husband are both that age today, the average age at which the second of them will die is now 92. That's a joint life expectancy of 29 years. The fear manifests itself from the concern of how to provide an ever-increasing income to sustain their lifestyle in a world where everything gets more expensive each and every day. 30 years ago in 1992, a first-class postage stamp cost just 29 cents, a gallon of gasoline $1.13, and the average new car cost just $16,336. Everyone has an innate sense that this cost of inflation will continue over the next 29 plus years and that we need to create an ever-growing retirement income stream to keep up. So why is everyone doing exactly the opposite? Fixed annuities are flying off the shelf, bank CDs, treasury bills, and bonds are some of the fastest growing asset classes. And yet we all know that these investments do not provide the growth necessary to sustain our ever-increasing cost of living? Why are we so willing to give up the lifestyle-sustaining growth of equities for the reduction in price volatility? Are we so marred by the market drops of the last 20 years that we are willing to sacrifice our future standard of living by a factor of half to avoid the temporary market declines that are, well, temporary? Equities, in particular, the shares of the world's greatest companies, are the only asset class that has increased income more than the cost of living over every 30-year time period in American history. And yet people are selling their equities to buy fixed income. People are sacrificing their future living standards because they don't understand or believe in the power of owning equities. I think we all need to put our fears in perspective. Do we fear outliving our money more than any temporary market declines? I think so, and you should too. And investing only in an asset class with a quote-unquote fixed income is sure to result in outliving your money. And no, you can't jump from fixed income into equities when you think the market is safe. By the time you figure that out, you've missed all of the upside. So let's all start to think about what's going to save your bacon in the long run and stop thinking about what the temporary disaster du jour is on CNBC that's keeping you in the fixed income mode. I sure don't want to be around when you run out of money because your fixed income can't keep up with your ever-increasing cost of living. 
but I'm sure willing to help you now to create a retirement income plan that gives you a chance to live the lifestyle of your dreams. If you and your life savings are being ignored or feeling taken advantage of, come join our family. We are a family-owned financial planning and investment advisory firm that promises to treat you like family. No products, no hard sell, no gimmicks, just honest advice based on our four decades of experience. If you have any questions on this week's episode or are interested in getting an unbiased opinion on your finances, please give me a call at 440-235-2100 or email me at cameron at michaelbradyco.com. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Uh